0: KPBS On Demand is supported by the National Conflict Resolution Center. Topics like political polarization and hybrid work policies can create workplace conflict. NCRC can help workplace leaders navigate divisive issues with the culture, communication, and conflict certificate. More at ncrconline.com.
1: A divided America confronts the results of the election.
2: It's gonna take until this election is settled and well into next year to really begin the hard process of healing.
1: I'm Maureen Kavanaugh. This is KPBS Midday Edition. We'll hear about San Diego Mayor Kevin Faulkner's last big policy move.
3: We have to grow as a city and we can't just take a NIMBY approach to leapfrog development like you see in you know, Arizona or Riverside, that never works.
1: Our weekend preview features arts events, rain or shine in San Diego. Stay with us for Midday Edition, coming up next. Joe Biden is planning a primetime speech to the nation tonight as his leads appear to increase in the battleground states of Nevada, Pennsylvania, and Georgia. The presidential election may be called in his favor by various news agencies as early as today, but that doesn't necessarily mean this election is over. Donald Trump has already launched legal challenges to the vote count, and tensions are running high among some Trump supporters who believe the election is being stolen. Joining me is Professor Carl Luna, director of the Institute for Civil Civic Engagement at the University of San Diego and a political analyst. And Carl, welcome back to the show.
2: Thank you for having me.
1: Now, in the weeks before the election, you joined a group of academics warning about the potential for violence after this election. Has that concern changed in any way?
2: It's still a major concern because we don't know where we're going with this, Maureen. We brought together, just in very short order, a couple of dozen people from elected officials, offices, uh, sheriff's departments, uh, the the ADL, League of Women Voters, uh, the Union Tribune, KPBS has been monitoring, looking at how can we share resources and information to help direct people's rightful concerns on either side of the political spectrum into uh, effective political participation to avoid anything that could escalate into violence. Because once it turns violence, you've ended the conversation. It's still a very limited threat. San Diego has been blessed, if you will, that we've had very little disruption. And around the country, there's been uh, very little, really uh, big overt disruption. But this is going to drag on this election for days, weeks, maybe months, and every day it does is the possibility for something to escalate. That's what we're trying to help our community come together to avoid.
1: Now, Donald Trump has stated his belief that the election is being stolen and he will not concede. Do you consider that a dangerous situation for the nation?
2: It's certainly unprecedented, and given the president's propensity for the way he sees the world, I think basically see it as highly unlikely he's ever going to concede. At noon on inauguration day, if he has in fact lost the election, I don't think he will get a concession even then. But sometimes he can be surprisingly gracious. So we'll have to see how that plays out. But statements like that can be taken by people who really don't have goodwill in their heart as authorization to go out and start to seriously disrupt, to cause significant issues across communities. You're seeing a little bit of that with people with weapons showing up outside of voting counting centers in a couple of places. Uh, You don't want it to become widespread. You don't want protest and counter-protest to erupt in uh, blood in the streets, as we've seen a little bit in a couple of cities on a smaller scale uh, with recent protests.
1: Now, Joe Biden has been making statements as well. He's been advising calm and patience and pledging to be a leader for the whole nation, not just the people who voted for him. Can that message make an impact?
2: It can have an impact to a degree with his own supporters. The problem is when people take to the streets so they're not happy and they run into people with an opposite viewpoint you have to have good resources in every community available to reach out to leaders to say, hey, talk to your people, keep people apart, let people express their opinions and don't let it escalate. Uh, it does help from the top down to have that as a common message. Joe Biden tends to come across like a nice cup of hot cocoa trying, urging calm. The president, on the other hand, is more of a more of a big uh, Red Bull kind of urging action.
1: Yeah. What should other national leaders be doing at this time? What kind of message should they be sending, do you think?
2: Well, historically in America, there is only one message any uh, 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 political leader should be sending during the process of counting on election ballots. It is patience and respect the system. Uh, The system is legitimate. Our democracy works. And hey, guys, if we lose this election, There's another one in two years for the House uh, and part of the Senate, four years for the presidency. Elections come around like taxi cabs and Ubers. Uh, No one election determines the fate of anything. You have another chance at it. So chill a little bit until you know what's going to happen.
1: Twitter is flagging misleading election information, even now when it comes from the president. And Facebook is taking down groups calling for violence. Is that going to help keep violence from spreading?
2: It is a contributor to help, but, and that's the problem though with social media, it can be both the uh, cure and the disease. So many things are being posted so rapidly by a small portion of the social media ecosphere. On the left, more of the violence uh, apparently is being posted from people that would be classified more to the hard right. Oh, we'll see how that plays out over time. Uh, but you, you, it's one thing to take it down, but even getting it out there in the first place, hundreds of thousands of views are gonna occur. And that helps to build build a sense of isolation of separate communities, seeing the world very differently. Those who are saying, hey, we got another election, like I'm saying, life will be okay. And then those who say it's the end of the world, we better act now. And that will take a a section of the population and radicalize it, which is not what we want to see in a democracy.
1: Now, if the election is called for Joe Biden, the reality is we are still a divided nation. Is there any path for healing and reconciliation? There is,
2: marine, but it's a long-term path. We didn't get to the situation of such a, a rigidly divided society overnight. It's been the product of 20, 30 years of some areas of the country doing well, rural areas in particularly not doing well, people feeling marginalized because of demographic shifts, and then people living in communities which are not very diverse, Who then look at people who are uh, coming from more diverse communities as somebody they don't have a frame of reference with. In some ways, I wish we could all just be ordered to get up and move around and reshuffle America so we all live by other people. Because once you get to have somebody as your neighbor and get to talk with them, they may have political views that you don't like. They may come from a culture that you're not familiar with. Next thing you know, though, you're all sharing stuff in the backyard at a barbecue and you're living together as a community. But it's going to take until this election is settled and well into next year to really begin the hard process of healing. For now, we're just trying to keep it from escalating as a nation.
1: I've been speaking with Professor Carl Luna. And Carl, thank you very much.
2: Thank you, Maureen.
1: San Diego Mayor Kevin Faulkner wants one last major policy win before he leaves office next month. Complete Communities is a set of reforms to the city's development rules around housing and transportation. It's set for a city council vote on Monday. KPBS Metro reporter Andrew Bowen says the goal is to build more housing in walkable urban neighborhoods.
2: We must change from a city that shouts, not in my backyard, to one that proclaims yes in my backyard.
3: From a city of Nimby's to a city of Yimby's.
4: January fifteenth, 2019, with two years left in office, Mayor Faulkner decided to make housing affordability the main focus of his fifth State of the City address. His ideas were big. Outside the coastal zone, no more height limits in areas served by public transit.
2: And I will deliver a plan to the council to authorize unlimited density for developments that include affordable housing and housing for the homeless, the most generous incentive in the state.
4: His complete communities proposal does not quite match that lofty rhetoric. The program is optional and only applies to sites close to public transit where apartments are already allowed. To participate, developers have to make 40 percent of a building's units affordable to low- and moderate-income households. In return, the developer can pack as many apartments into the building as will fit. And the size of the building will be regulated by square footage of floor space, rather than height. In other words, the taller the building, the skinnier it has to be.
3: Andrew, this is the buzz project. It's a mixed-use project on the corner of 30th and B in Golden Hill.
4: Rami Cortez is a small-scale developer who supports the Complete Communities package. He's showing me his latest apartment building set to open to tenants in January.
3: Uh, We have cabinets going in, countertops, And in uh, the next 30 days, you'll see all the scaffolding pull down.
4: This project made use of the city's existing Affordable Housing Density Bonus Program, which offers incentives if developers can set aside a portion of their homes as affordable for low-income households. Complete Communities is like that program dialed up to 11. Cortez says it would be another tool to help provide more housing for San Diego.
3: If we're building housing in the right places along transit and job centers, We have to grow as a city, and we can't just take a NIMBY approach to leapfrog development like you see in, you know, Arizona or Riverside, that never works. And to meet our greenhouse gas goals, the only way we're going to be able to get there is to, uh, you know, cut down on carbon emissions and walk, bike, and use, you know, alternative modes of transportation.
4: Transportation is another leg of complete communities. Building in the city's more car-dependent neighborhoods would come with higher fees. And those fees would pay for things like bike lanes, sidewalks, and crosswalks in denser, more urban neighborhoods. Improvements in low-income communities with less access to opportunity would get priority. Perhaps the biggest opposition to Complete Communities has come out of San Diego's volunteer neighborhood planning groups. Diane Kane represents La Jolla on the Community Planners Committee, or CPC. At a meeting on Monday, she suggested Complete Communities is a Trojan horse for a massive rezoning plan.
1: If you look at the maps, there's all of this, these disclaimers about how this isn't a rezone, but it is a rezone. And the people who are, whose parcels are being rezoned don't even know
4: it. CPC chair Wally Wolfek of Scripps Ranch said he thought it was unfair that a portion of the fees developers pay to build in his neighborhood would be sent to low-income communities. And he said the process that began about a year ago was rushed.
3: None of these plans should go forward until there has been sufficient consultation with community planning groups and CPC. And that still hasn't really happened. It's sort of been like pulling teeth to get anyone to bother to talk to us.
4: Earlier in that same meeting, Planning Department staffers spent an hour explaining recent revisions to the program and answering questions. They point to the dozens of workshops and presentations at public meetings as evidence they did enough outreach. The Complete Communities Package has gotten mixed reviews from city council members. They'll decide on Monday whether it should become law. Andrew Bowen, KPBS News.
0: KPBS On Demand is supported by Bill Howe Plumbing, Heating and Air Restoration and Flood Services. Family owned and operated for three generations, Bill Howe has been serving the plumbing, heating and air and water damage needs of the San Diego area since 1980. With their fleet of trained professionals, Bill Howe has the ability to service all major and minor plumbing and HVAC emergency needs 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Bill Howe is committed to providing excellent service to their customers with transparent quotes and attention to detail on every job. Whether you're in need of an HVAC installation, plumbing, or water damage restoration in San Diego, they offer the convenience of scheduling an appointment over the phone, online, or through live chat on their website. Call 1-800-BILL-HOWE or visit BillHow.com Because we know how.
1: This is KPBS Midday Edition. I'm Maureen Kavanaugh. If you've been staring at a big red and blue map of America all week, it's time to change the picture. On this weekend preview, we have a few local arts and culture recommendations to feast your senses on instead. Joining me to discuss this weekend's arts events is KPBS arts editor, Julia Dixon-Evans. And welcome, Julia.
5: Hi, Maureen. Thanks for having me.
1: New work from artist Tom Driscoll is now on view at Ice Gallery in Logan Heights. What can we find and how can we view it?
5: Well, ICE Gallery, it's in the Bread and Salt complex, and they recently opened this new exhibition with work by Driscoll, who's a really established local artist. And some of these works were made 15 years ago, but have never before been seen. And it also includes a brand new piece made with the gallery space in mind. It's not exactly site-specific, but it was definitely made for that really cavernous space. And Driscoll himself, he studied with John Baldessari and Bob Matheny at Southwestern College in the late 60s. And his work's really architectural, like these massive pieces protruding from a wall or large columns in really vivid shapes and colors. I just really love the way he works with a wall, which may seem obvious for an artist, but it's not. And this is also his first show since 2012. ICE is open for COVID-safe viewings by appointment. And this place uses this model all the time, so don't be shy. And also the gallery has huge front windows, so you can view it through the windows from the sidewalk night or day.
1: Oh, so you can check out Tom Driscoll's new exhibition at ICE Gallery, now through mid-December. Next up is a live stream of chamber music from Latin composers. Tell us about what the Camarada Ensemble has been up to.
5: Yeah, they've just launched their new season, and most of it is virtual, and this first program, Recuerdos de los Dias, features work by four different composers, and it's for flute, violin, viola, cello, piano, trumpet, bassoon, and percussion. They're live streaming it tonight. It has work by Andres Martin, Miguel de la Aguila, plus a really classical string trio from early 20th century Mexican composer, Manuel Ponce, who is known as the creator of the modern Mexican song I'm pretty excited to hear more from contemporary composer James M. Stevenson's Mexican folktale piece called Mermaid of the Volcano, and that's for trumpet, cello, and percussion. Here's a segment that they posted on Instagram from their rehearsals.
1: That's James M. Stevenson's Mermaid of the Volcano performed by Camarada. You can catch the live stream of the full program tonight at 6. The Bonita Museum is presenting a multidisciplinary exhibition of Filipino stories and film called Cinecuento. What's on this weekend?
5: Yeah, so there's lots to love about this program. The curators, Emma Francisco and Benito Bautista, worked with the local Filipino community in advance. They put together stories, and they even gathered work clothes and fabrics from from the community for some of these in-person exhibitions. And the whole thing focuses on the art of Filipino storytelling, particularly in film. It involves these multiple on-site installations at the Benina Museum, but there's plenty of virtual options, too, if you can't make it out. They kick Things off this weekend with their opening night screening on Saturday. It's written and directed by Bautista called Harana, the search for the lost art of serenade. Harana is the word for the type of song performed from balconies or for potential matches as a serenade.
4: Wati nabituin, di la nagihintay. Kailang ba mo diya? Aking makakamtan ang bagas ng dulot ng iyong
5: and that's a clip from the trailer for the film Harana. It's a pretty magical look at music in the Philippines and this serenade art form that the filmmakers trying to preserve.
1: Harana, the search for the lost art of serenade screens online Saturday at 5.30 PM to kick off the Bonita Museum's Cine Cuento exhibition. And finally, Art Walk's return. Tell us about Art Walk at Liberty Station this weekend. Yeah,
5: so after a long break, they're the first of their kind to try this socially distanced COVID-ready incarnation of an outdoor festival. It's on Saturday and Sunday. It'll be a juried festival um, showcasing about 150 artists from the region and across the border. You can find painting, sculpture, photography, glass, ceramics, jewelry, and so much more. And they're also auctioning off some of these really incredible custom painted guitars to benefit ArtReach, which is a local arts education program nonprofit. And don't forget your mask, or you can buy an extra one there. They have a commemorative design by artist Jen Duran. And don't forget an umbrella also. The organizers have said that it will be rain or shine. It costs $5 to get in, but kids 18 and under are free.
1: Okay, Rain or Shine Art Walk at Liberty Station takes place Saturday and Sunday from 10 a.m. to 5 p.m. For more arts events or to sign up for our weekly arts newsletter, go to kpbs.org slash arts. I've been speaking with KPBS arts editor and producer, Julia Dixon-Evans. Julia, thanks a lot.
5: Thank you, Maureen. Have a good weekend.